This is the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Kendall of the notaballerina.com travel blog. Every episode, I'll share travel tales from several fellow travel lovers, and together we hope to entertain and inspire you, remind you of some of your own great travel experiences, and encourage you to hit the road again soon. Hello and welcome to episode 242 of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Today's topic is meeting kind strangers. It's something that seems to happen a lot when we travel, even though we're brought up with all these ideas of like strange danger and, um, you know, being really wary about people who are trying to, I don't know, rip us off or scam us or whatever. I am often told stories uh, from my guests, by my guests, about strangers they met who were incredibly helpful, way beyond what is, you know, expected or necessary. So I've got another fabulous collection of them. And the final one has a bit of a twist that I particularly love. So um, I've actually told some of my own kindness of strangers stories before back in episode 76. So go and have a listen to that if you want to hear some of those. And actually, when I was uh, preparing for this episode, I came across a comment from uh, from one of our Thoughtful Travellers Facebook group members, Norea, in, in Spain, who... Um, mentioned some experiences that she recalled when she listened to that episode back in episode 76. And I'll just read out her comment because it's lovely. And she said, when I read the title of this episode, even before listening to it, the first place that came to my mind was Istanbul. Strangers giving my mother a lemonade for free just because they saw her crying a little bit after receiving bad news on the phone. A woman in a mosque sitting on the floor next to my friend and me who insisted on helping us with our map, even though we didn't speak her language nor did she speak ours. A stranger who insisted on leaving me his cell phone because mine didn't work. I hadn't even asked for help. All of them without expecting anything in return. And those kinds of incidents, I think, are so, so common to our travels. And it is so lovely to find that there are fabulously... Uh, you know, kind people all around the world. And uh, yeah, they're strangers, but they uh, often can become friends. And sometimes we just need to be a little bit open to that. And actually, that leads in pretty well to my first story, which is from Vince Dixon. And Vince was backpacking in Europe as a teenager. And he was a bit wary of strangers when he set out on this trip. I I was a lot younger. I think when I was 18, I traveled around um, Europe with a friend for a few months just backpacking on very sort of limited budgets back in the day and um and we uh it, it was way it was weird to think about it now speaking to someone it makes me feel very old even though i don't think i'm that old but it was before <laughs> sort of phones or map or um google maps or anything like that so i think the two things that i always remember and, and i think it's quite easy to forget now with everything being so connected is is firstly that you didn't know nearly as much about places as you do now so the sort of the discovery of them was a bit more interesting and the sort of difference in cultures, you didn't have that same exposure to it through the internet as you do now. Um, and secondly, obviously, the, the just the, the actual travel part was a bit more of an adventure in the sense of like you, you couldn't plan as accurately and you couldn't get as much information at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. So we, we ended up, we were backpacking around Europe and we sort of, um, and we were really working on, I, I had my, my parents traveled around 
many years before, 70s, 80s. And they, my dad, Clay, had a lot of maps. I always grew up with these maps at home of all the different places they'd been. And he had this big box of them. And so when we went to Europe, I, I kind of borrowed a few of these maps. And we ended up, at, the one was we ended up in Paris towards the end of our trip. And we were stone broke at this stage. I'd actually <laughs> been working. I'd been working a kind of low-paid job in the UK. And I was hoping my paycheck would come in to cover the last sort of section of this trip and they never actually deposited it in time. Oh, no. So we ended up on something like, it was something crazy. Like I had two euros or two pounds in my account at that stage. And we were sort of, I remember living off one loaf of bread and a block of cheese for, for like a week at a time. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so we went to Paris and we, um, we had a connection there. A friend of mine had a connection there and they'd given us their address and they'd given us their phone number. But obviously, no cell phones and all that. It wasn't quite as easy to contact people. So we, we had this address and we had this old map of my dad's. And uh, we were looking, we kind of spent quite a while looking at this map and we could not find his exact address. And we couldn't get hold of him because it was middle of the night in Paris. We'd arrived quite late on the bus. So eventually, we sort of figured out which area it was in. And we managed to catch, I think we catched the, caught the underground to this area and got there. And it was sort of middle of night in a deserted part of town. No <laughs> idea. We were still quite sort of young and naive. And, and the the uh, the only, we could not find it on the map. So this was the weird thing: is the street wasn't on the map. So the only thing we um, we eventually found this open sort of corner store, and it was run it was run by this sort of like uh, Algerian guy. We found out afterwards, huh. and and um, so we're talking to them, and we're trying to like we're trying to ask them if maybe we can borrow their phone to try to get hold of this phone number. We they eventually let us very kindly use the phone in the shop, and we uh, we try to get hold of his friend, can't get hold of him. <laughs> So now we're sitting there and, and we're talking to them about this. And these guys in the shop are like, oh, that street. I, and the guy, the one guy is like, I, I think I know where that street is. <laughs> like, I, I think I know where it is. And his friend is like, ah, oh, and they're sort of talking and they're talking in French. And, and it's, this is like middle of the night. Uh, that's probably like after midnight by that stage. And we're in this like weird corner store. And the two of us, the, eventually they say to us, listen, we're actually closing the store. Like, we'd be happy to walk you there. Oh. And so, well, this is, this is sort of the bit I, I think that I always remember the story by is, is immediately you sort of, you're like, well, this is a bit suspicious. Like, I, I don't know, this feels a bit weird. Like, these two guys we've never met, they're in, like, in the middle of the night in Paris in this quite deserted neighborhood, and now we're going to walk through some back streets with the two of them. Um, I wouldn't say we had much worth stealing on us, but you still have that thought of sort of like, anyway, we, we walk and we walk and we walk, and they also weren't entirely sure. The guy just said he thought he knew, recognized the name and thought he knew. We eventually walked through these streets with them for, it was half an hour 45 minutes so it was quite a way we're getting sort of increasingly more concerned, concerned that we're getting set up for something um but it ended up having like amazing conversations with them found out a lot about them they were really really nice guys and they and and they eventually found it we found the street oh. we found the exact apartment we knocked on the door and they were home um and and uh and we these we said thank you to these guys oh. and never saw them again it was just one i, I remember oh. just, i think it i think it sort of set me up for a lot more trust in people later on where you, mm -hmm. you, you things are this sort of suspicion of strangers and this weird situation in actual fact they spent 45 minutes or an hour and a half round trip out of their way just to walk these two strangers to some random deserted streets in the middle of a city that they didn't know so it was already it was a really amazing experience in hindsight and mm -hmm. sort of you just feel terrible for kind of thinking all these things <laughs> and i don't know just a really good it's where there's some experience of humanity and, and yeah. how I think travel opens up those experiences. Absolutely, more. yes. I I get told these kind of stories quite often because it's so true that we really think we're brought up to be really wary of strangers and to think that everyone's out yeah. to get us and 
And yeah. 99.99% of the time, it turns out that nobody's out to get us and they're actually really helpful. But it's shocking, isn't it, how surprised we are that people actually want to help us. Like, well, I don't know what it says about the world, but it's wonderful that travel opens us up to that possibility. Yeah, I think what you just said is 100% true. And it's, it, it's that 99.9% of people actually are not only harmless, but they actually actively want to help. Like people, like, and you forget that, I think. I think sort of media also mm. has a part to play and just generally a lot of the stuff you hear is kind of, is it's makes the world feel like a big, scary, dangerous place. And in actual fact, the average person is actually really kind and helpful and, and will go out of their way to do that and doesn't expect anything in return. And it's a, it's a really amazing thing to be reminded of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very special. I agree. I've just been reading, um, we have a book club with the podcast and the book of the month is Couch Surfing in Iran. I don't know if you know Stefan Orth's um, series. He's got a series of books, Couch Surfing in Iran, Couch Surfing in Saudi Arabia and somewhere else. But um, but exactly that, like couch surfing is like the ultimate trust in strangers. And, yeah. um, you know, and he's going through Iran and every so often there'll be, you know, a couch surfing contact that seems a bit suspicious or, you know, what's really going on here. Every single time they turn out to be wonderful, helpful, kind people who yeah. just want to meet yeah. a foreigner and help them out. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's very reassuring. Yeah, it is. Perfect example of trusting strangers who only wanted to help. And what a great lesson to learn at the young age of 18. Now, funnily enough, my next guest is Pam Mandel, and she tells a story from when she was in the Himalayas around the same age. And it's uh, it's just a lovely story. It's an even better story of, uh, well, like, I mean, an even stranger example of strangers helping, I suppose. And uh, I know she explained it's a story she's featured in her book and so many people have asked her about. So um, this is Pam with her story of uh, someone helping her out when she was uh, trying to cook her meal. It's just this tiny moment, but it is so, it is left this indelible mark on me. Uh, so I had gone on, there's a section in my book where we're crossing the Himalayas, right? We're on this trek in Ladakh and it's a long trek and we are ill prepared <laughs> and our camp stove breaks. So we're on this 10 day trek and we've been cooking on fire and we get up above the tree line and it's impossible to get wood because there is none. There are no trees. It's just this raw landscape and the stove is broken and it's dinner time and we have, you know, beans and rice or something because we're, again, ill-prepared. <laughs> and this is impossible to cook. So I took one of these shoddy little tin cook pans with the metal handle and I walked into the village nearby and I was like, I'm going to go find I'm, – I'm going to find fire. <laughs> <Right>? Yes. <laughs> so – I walk into town. There's no cars. I mean, we're we're like well in the back country, and there are there are lots of villages up in Ladakh, but at the time there was no road. You only did this trip on foot. Uh-huh. And I get into town and I knock on the first door I see, and they they the family. I think it was the 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 mom, the woman, the head of household, opened the door, and she looked at me, and we look at each other, and I realize. I don't have a way to tell her what I'm looking for or what I need or what I'm trying to find. So I point at my this little pot that I'm carrying and I sort of look past her and there's a blazing fireplace behind her and I point at the fire 
and I point at my thing and I point at the fire and she invites me in Mm -hmm. to cook my dinner on the fire, right? So I walk in and I hang the pot on there and I cook it. I sit there for 20 minutes. She brings me a glass of tea and there are these two huge-eyed children looking at me like, what is even (laughs) happening? Now, it's not that they would have never seen outsiders there before because this is a well-known trek but i was sitting in their house in front of their fire cooking my dinner Mm -hmm. that might be unusual (laughs) a little bit unusual so we're just sitting there in this very i wouldn't say awkward i would say it was almost companionable silence but it was just it did i didn't feel out of place or unwelcome or any of those things um this is not to say that i was not they were she gave me a glass of tea and I sat there and I drank this glass of tea. And then, you know, I did the namaste hands thank you thing, which is a thing that was common there. And I took my dinner and I went back to my campsite, which was, you know, maybe a 15 minute walk away up the trail. And I didn't really think about this for a long time, that the strangeness of this interaction. And when I wrote my book and I wrote the story into the book, I thought, what would I think if somebody knocked on my door and asked to use my stove? What would that be like for me, right? And we just had a huge, we just had a lot of weather uh, <laughs> across the U.S. And we had a very deep freeze. And d- down in Texas right now, they're really suffering because their power grid's out. And so in this mm. context, the idea of a stranger knocking on your stove to use their fire, <laughs> you know, you would invite them in. There's weather, there's circumstances, there's reasons you would do that. But if I went to my front door one day and found someone there who did not speak my language, was clearly not from my planet, and just wanted to come and use my fire to cook their dinner, like, what would I make of this? It's such a bizarre little thing. And there's so many sort of threads that I pull at with this now in retrospect. Um, I was so unafraid that I went and asked somebody to do this Mm. right like the the fear i had just had this general sense of fearlessness and trust that nothing bad would happen to me if i knocked i was an 18 year old girl (laughs) right could have been anyone behind those doors that you're knocking on anything could have happened right so there's that they actually let me in they, they they seemed to know what I needed. I, like whatever the communication we had was effective enough that my dinner got cooked and I went on the rest of my way. This was it just happened once because after that we got back down below the trees and you know we could get wood for fire and all this stuff was we were able to make that happen. So it was just mm-hmm. this one particular event, but mm-hmm. I would have done it again. You know, well, it worked, so think, why not? Yeah, <laughs> Right, and I just think about the strangeness of moving that experience to my modern life now mm-hmm. where I go answer the doorbell and it's some person, it's some young person carrying food and they just want to cook their dinner in my on my kitchen stove and what would I do with that? And now I think, well, I would have to let them in. It's required. The universe requires that I do that, right? <laughs> I also wonder... The other thing I think about was, did they remember this the same way I do? Yes. Or did this happen before? Or like, and I had no way to communicate with them. I did not speak Ladakhi, uh, right? They did not speak English. We could not, there was no way for us to figure that out. But I would love to somehow ask them, like, what do you think of that, right? Yeah. At the time, there was just, I just, it was just a thing. I went to town. I went to town. It's a tiny, tiny village. 
knocked on the door, got my dinner cooked, went back to camp. No big deal. But so much happening in this tiny, tiny moment, all yeah. these things. And I can't stop worrying at this little at this little story about, you know, the day that somebody knocks on my door and asks to cook their dinner. I, I'm waiting for that to happen now. <laughs> I, oh, look, I hope it does. That would be so poetic. But, yes, I always wonder things like that, you know. Um, is that family? Have they been sitting there all these years retelling that story about the time that strange American woman came with her pot in her hand? Or was yeah. it a regular thing and they've forgotten about it or what? There's so many. Right. Yeah, it's fascinating to imagine um, right. things that can have a big impact on us when we travel. We can also impact other people significantly, but we often just don't know. You know, maybe right. it's nothing. Maybe it's a big thing or something in between. Right. Yeah, there's no, there's just no way for me to know, and to find them is would be impossible. I can't imagine what that would look like, but I can't stop thinking about that. Just the nature of that tiny interaction is very significant to me. It meant I got to have a hot meal, yes. and so many other things. Yeah. <laughs> I love this story, and I mean, it's probably unlikely that someone would come to my door here in in suburban Perth, Australia, wanting to wanting help to cook their dinner, but I'd like to think that whatever the local equivalent might be, that I really would help a stranger, uh, especially, you know, a foreign stranger in need. And I'm going to keep thinking about that when I'm out and about in Western Australia and uh, come across any tourists and see if there's any way I can help. So I really love that tale and I want to keep that in mind. Now, my final guest today is Tim Tricker, and he has a kind of a reverse kind of story, which I just love. Uh, it's still a kindness of strangers story, but it's a bit reversed because in this case, the stranger is the tourist. It's Tim on a trip with his mates in Barcelona. We ended up on the metro going back to our hotel and one of my friends, he decided that he needed to go to the toilet. So obviously being on a metro, nothing there. So no. just approaching a, tra- uh, a, a restaurant, uh, a restaurant, a train stop, a metro stop. And we thought, right, we'll get off here. There's bound sure to be a restaurant, a pub or anything where, or even a public toilet where what he could use. And it was a quite a small stop. So there was no facilities at the stop itself. So we've gone running up the stairs and directly opposite was Ecuadorian pub. You know, never heard of anything like it before. <laughs> Amazing. So we've gone running in there and it was like being in someone's front room. It was carpet on the floor, a couple of stools up by the bar, and there was like a little, it was like a broom closet, which was the toilet. So my friend's gone in there, and we thought, right, we're not just going to use the facilities and go, we're just, we're, we'll have a drink in here, it's a local Absolutely, area. Absolutely, why not? The guy behind the bar could not speak a word of English, we couldn't speak any Spanish or Catalan, so we thought, yeah, we'll have a drink, we'll, we'll basically pay our way mm. so we've done that we've had a drink we've tried conversing about football with this guy uh-huh. behind the bar and we got a the we use the inter, international language of football and it worked <laughs> and acting you know about 20 people from a local factory had walked in and he was the only person behind the bar there was people shouting and waving money and where i'd previously worked behind the bar before so i thought I'm going to help out. So I've got off my stall, walked around the bar, and I ended up serving people. He gave me a bit of a funny look of like, <laughs> what are you doing? Then all of a sudden it was, oh, he's helping. And he was like, 
passing me glasses to fill up. He was taking money for orders I was taking and everything. I ended up beyond the bar for about half an hour serving people. <laughs> and it was all because I was a bit like, I thought, I better help out. You know, it's, it's one of them, as you've had a drink, your mind does change and you think <laughs> differently about things. So I thought, yeah, I'd just yeah. like to help. I'll help, I'm, yeah, why helpful. not? <laughs> I'm a helpful guy anyway, but I thought... <laughs> Even more so, I'm going to help him. So yeah, I ended up serving there for like half hour, 45 minutes, and he was really sort of appreciative. He bought us all a drink. You know, it's <laughs> that's so cool. And it's all because one of my friends needed to um, go to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I love it. And um, you wouldn't be expecting to find an Ecuadorian pub there, and um, probably never been no, to mate. one before or since. And how awesome! I love those kind of random discoveries. So somewhere in Barcelona, there's uh, perhaps Ecuadorian fellow or at least a guy who has at some stage run an Ecuadorian pub who probably tells the story of this of the time this uh, mad Englishman came along and jumped behind the bar and helped serve when uh, things got really busy. So I just love that. Good on you, Tim. And um, yeah, I just uh, we uh, it pays to be kind, doesn't it? There's lots of different ways we can be kind, and it certainly does us no harm. So I hope this has uh, been a bit of a feel good episode for all of you. I've thoroughly enjoyed putting it together, and of course, a big thank you to my guests. So I started off chatting with Vince Dixon from Who Knew. They make sustainable travel products. They've started off with a a pocket sized keep cup, well worth checking out. You can find out more at. Uh, their website, which is at we are who knew we are h u n u dot com. Then a big thanks to Pam Mandel for her story in the Himalayas. Pam's website is nerdseyeview.com and that story actually is uh, found in her book, The Same River Twice. I'll leave a link in the show notes to Pam's book. And of course, a massive thank you to Tim Trigger, who is a member of the Facebook group for Thoughtful Travellers. And you can find that just by searching for Thoughtful Travellers in Facebook, or there's a link in the show notes. I'll also leave a link there to the episode I referred to early on, episode 76 called The Kindness of Strangers on Your Travels. If you want to keep listening to this kind of enjoyable topic, I find it really enjoyable and I hope you do too. The show notes for this episode are at notaballerina.com slash 242. As always, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Show notes and other information are at notaballerina.com slash podcast. Join me again soon for another chat about why we travel. Bye for now.